Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What wow. a jump ball! Fifteen down, four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first half. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Countdown, baby, and a foul! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike Anguilano. With me, as always, is Aaron Johnson. Aaron, how are you doing? Um, you know, I'd, I'd be doing a lot better if it wasn't April 20th and there was snow coming down from the sky. Uh, wasn't expecting it. I'm not happy about it. Really putting a damper on, uh, you know, how I like to enjoy nice, warm, sunny weather. Not a fan of the snow, just all of a sudden popping back up in late April. Not sure what it's like where you're at, but uh, not too great over here in Michigan right now. Well, it's it's never really great in Michigan or in Ohio. They're all, I mean, we like to think of our states as rivals, but it's really just like one side step in terms of weather. So it's it's 48 degrees here right now. We're preparing for snow overnight. I think here in Northeast Ohio, we're expecting about four inches of snow. Oh, Three to four inches, depending on how close you are to the lake. You get that lake effect in it. It's no fun. The fact that it's late April um, and we're getting snow, that's no fun. Nobody likes that. Um, you know, compound that with... Uh, some bad basketball he had to watch yesterday and some bad basketball he watched all season. Um, just, just makes, uh, makes things just a little bit harder, a little bit harder. I'm always a lot happier when the weather is a little bit nicer. Yeah, no doubt. I, I am. Yeah. I'm a much like you can just tell I'm different if it's nicer outside. Like when it's, I don't know when it's cold and it's snowy, you know, I'm just I'm tired. I don't know. Maybe I'm a little more cranky. I don't know, but I, I'd really appreciate it if it didn't snow four inches here in Michigan. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's cold, you know, four months out of five months out of the year. I mean, you can get snow at any point from November to April at any point. Uh, just no way to live. You're around in Michigan. You're around in Michigan. You can get it, but <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't surprise um, me if it was June, it was snowing, but we'll, well, I guess we'll move on from the weather discussion. Yeah. Yeah. We'll move on all of our uh, 65 and over uh, aged listeners, will probably want to hear more about the weather. Um, and I'll tell you what the weather in these two States, probably nothing that you would want to bet on. And that sort of leads to our first ad read, um, this podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets. And it's free to sign up. You can go ahead and head on over to the website betonline.ag, or you could use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. But online, your online sports book experts. You're getting really smooth at those. <laughs> like you were working for that one, and then it just like really smoothly got happened. into it. That was yeah. good. I think I've listened to a lot of podcasts, 
and I've heard a lot of terrible transitions into ad reads and I've heard some really good ones. So I sort of maybe already know um, uh, how to make those nice transitions. Shocker. Podcaster listens to a lot of podcasts. Go ahead and move on to (laughs) right, right, right. How bizarre. I mean, it's, it's not like some of those, you know, other podcasts where it cuts and it does just a music cut. And it's very clear that it's not an in-podcast ad read. They just interjected it and just spliced it in. Um, but it's, as it happens organically, you get that little chuckle from the listener. And then maybe they're a little more receptive to the ad instead of uh, hearing that musical cue. And then the ad comes on and they're like, Ugh, got it. Okay, just skip right over this. Um, but if it happens organically, it just feels a little bit nicer. Um, what doesn't feel nice to me as a Cavs fan is um, yesterday's Pistons-Cavs game. Pistons do hold on to win 109-105. I think they were up 109-5 to at one point. Um, <laughs> Colin Sexton had 28-7-4. and four. Darius Garland had 23-6. 23. 23.6 assists, rather. Um, Jared, Allen was, Jared Allen was terrible. Uh, for the Pistons, Isaiah Stewart had 18 and 16. He had three steals and three blocks. He just out-hustled everybody. I think the entire Cavs team, he just out-hustled the whole team cumulatively. Killian Hayes had 12 points, nine dimes, three rebounds, and Sneak Bay. Uh, I think he had five threes in the first quarter. Uh, he had 20 points and five rebounds. It was a tank-off. You had mentioned on Twitter, it was a tank-off. And, uh, you know, the Pistons put together a roster that is – that is worthy of a tank. The Cavs put together a roster that was really only missing Larry Nance Jr. And they were outplayed. They were outplayed the whole time, essentially. Yeah, I was was coming into this game, especially seeing that Detroit was holding out Jeremy Grant, Wayne Ellington, Mason Plumlee, Corey Joseph. And, you know, I I viewed this game as certainly setting up for the Cavaliers to, to win. And, at least I don't know how it is from your perspective, you know, watching this team uh, on a nightly basis, but the perspective that George Blaha and Greg Kelser were framing throughout the entire broadcast was the Cavs are playing for a spot in the play in. There are only three games out. Like this is a very important game for them. And I don't know if Cavs fans uh, feel that way. Like this is a team that should be going for the play in or has a legitimate shot to get into the play in, but Detroit just completely outwork them and actually looked like they wanted to be on the court I tweeted it last night but it, it did not look like Jarrett Allen was playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers last night and that's weird because I've never noticed that with Jarrett Allen before where he was just completely zoned out of the game and yeah it it, it was really just whatever the Cavs could get out of guys not named Colin Sexton uh, was them trying to compete in the game, whether it was Darius Garland in the second half or, you know, Kevin Love had his moments here and there, but it just seemed really hard for the Cavs to get anything going against, you know, essentially the Pistons rookies and the the bench squad. Um, I was really shocked to see Detroit win. If the Cavs were, are trying to get into the plan and aren't uh, tanking, then that was a really pitiful performance. And from the way that J.B. Bickerstaff managed the team yesterday, it certainly seemed like they were trying to win. And, you know, they were playing, obviously, key pieces, you know, the whole way through and big minutes. I mean, I think Colin Sexton played almost 40 minutes. So 
now obviously those key players are getting a lot of time out on the court and for them to come out and play as poorly as they did granted they still almost won the game because Detroit is Detroit and they were playing a bunch of you know 22 and younger guys but at the same time for the Cavs to lose that game is especially if they're going for the plan tournament that is nothing short of embarrassing I put out a poll on Twitter maybe a week and a half ago now just trying to gauge what people thought about wanting to be in the play-in or wanting to tank. And it was overwhelmingly pro-tank. Get get another high draft pick, a difference maker in the top five, and go on from there. And I think the fan perspective, I think if you ask the non-hardcore basketball fan, you know, not us, um, they would say make the play-in. They would say play some meaningful basketball games. This is year three of the rebuild. You know, you have played zero meaningful games in three years. Up up until, honestly, that Chicago Bulls game was probably the most impactful game they've played since LeBron James left. And they lost. And I think this is a, this is a, a um, problem the Cavs have had since the Warriors game. You know, they, they, they played the Warriors a couple, a couple games ago. That's a game that they could have won. I mean, they neutralized, quote-unquote, neutralized Seth Curry, who I think had 33, which is neutralizing him for what he's been doing lately, which is nothing short of downright absurd. You know, I think they played down a little bit to Golden State, and then just the vets beat him up. And then they played down to Chicago after it was noted that Zach Levine was going to miss the game with health and safety protocols. So they played down, and they lost. And then I think they see the Pistons have so many guys out. I mean, starters, Lumley, Grant, Wayne Ellington, you know, you know, decent players. And then I think they played down again. You know, I think they saw this team and then they looked up and down the roster and thought, oh, rookie, 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 uh, whatever. And then they played down and then they were just had their clock cleaned in the first quarter. And then they had to fight their way back. And that that's what leads to bad body language. That's what leads to, you know, poor play, missed shots. I mean, Sadiq Bey went off. I mean, the perimeter defense from the Cavs was nothing short of pitiful. And so now they have played down to two, you know, two straight teams and they're going to play Chicago again next. And then they get Charlotte and Washington and Toronto, Orlando and Washington. I mean, they get very winnable games moving in here. So I think there was a little bit of hype after Kevin Love came back and the, the starting lineup that they wanted at the, at the beginning of the year, or at least after they acquired Jared Allen was you know, materialized Garland and Sexton, Okoro, Love, and Jared Allen. I think if you had that roster the whole year, the Cavs probably look like a playoff team or at least some something that's fighting for the play-in. But I don't really know what they're trying to go for. Are they trying to go for the play-in? Are they trying to tank? If they're trying to get into the play-in, they're doing a pretty horrible job. If they're trying to tank, they're making a very compelling um, case that they're one of the best tanking teams because there's no way that a roster is – good as the Cavs and it's not that good but it it's it's looking so bad on the court and they're making so many mistakes and playing so poorly I I'm just sort of at you know it's a really disappointing really really disappointing stretch of games and I can't help but look at JB Bickerstaff too and think you know this is like a top to bottom sort of just bleh sort of um 
state of the Cavaliers right now. It's, I mean, it, it's just, ugh, just like, just nothing looks good. The offense has not flowed well at all this year. I mean, aside from the occasional Colin Sexton pop off, everything just looks kind of eh, like just not very good. On the flip side, you look at the game yesterday from Detroit's perspective, and essentially it's Sadiq Bay at the beginning of the game taking over. Isaiah Stewart, kind of the middleman. I mean, he played well every minute he was out on the court doing it all. 18.16 rebounds, three steals, three blocks. He was doing everything, but he was kind of the constant throughout the whole game. And then Killian Hayes playing the role of the closer, making some big buckets down the stretch, picked up another assist in the closing minutes. You look at that from the flip side, as a, as a from the Cavs perspective, and you see that that young core of Detroit kind of all play big roles in beating your team, which at this point should be ahead of Detroit, especially with the two rosters for each side that were on the court yesterday. And, you know, where does that, as a, as a Cavs fan, how does that affect your perspective and opinion on Cleveland's core compared to Detroit's core moving forward? Obviously with the Cavs, it's, really Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, Jarrett Allen, Isaac Okoro. All those guys played yesterday. And Sexton and Garland were solid. Okoro was 2-9 from the field. And as we already mentioned, Jarrett Allen really looked lost out there. But then you see the Pistons three rookies go out and have a really strong performance. You see guys like Tyler Cook and Josh Jackson each produce. Like, does, does it make you wonder if – the the rebuild in Cleveland is maybe not being done as well as what's looking like what's going on in Detroit. Uh, well, I mean, based on yesterday, yeah, you definitely have to go off of that. I mean, but it's a it, it's a tale of two, it's a tale of two teams, sort of. I mean, we were going over after the after the Cavs beat the Nets back to back in James Harden's first games with them. We were thinking, oh wow, okay. You know, the Cavs were 10 and 11 at that point. They looked pretty good. Um, they were playing hard and they were firmly in the discussions of making the playoffs. You know, their defense was the number one defense in the NBA. It was early on in, in, in the season, but it was, it was more substantial than it was not, you know, they, they had good, you know, they had good tendencies on defense. Larry Nance was the league leader in steals and deflections at the time. I think that right now this is a team that has not had enough time playing together, especially with Kevin Love. I mean, he missed, he's missed almost the entire season. Guys have had to play out of position for a lot of the season. I mean, Isaac Okoro had to play the four at times, and then he was playing the two at times and, you know, has played his more natural small forward spot. So it's been a, it's been a long season of change and injuries. And this will be my hot take. And I'm going to put this, gosh, this, this will be maybe the, maybe, maybe the hottest of takes I've had for a little while. I think that the, that Cavs team, when they were, when they had Larry Nance Jr. Starting and healthy, that team just, just does stuff. They just did stuff better. They just were, they, he was the secondary playmaker with Darius Garland. He, uh, was able to stretch the floor a little bit. He was able to 
get his hands really active and, and play active defense. And it made other, other teams more uncomfortable and not have Larry Nance Jr. Be healthy and, or in the starting lineup is really problematic. Um, and Kevin Love is still trying to get his legs underneath him. You know, he, he's, he fixes so much of what was wrong with the Cavs early in the season that now, now that he is here, there's other problems that are presenting themselves. And I think right now you have to look at this Cavs roster and, you know, you once again say that like almost nobody is untouchable. I mean, Jared Allen's a restricted free agent, but you know, everybody has a value. Like I've said a few times on this podcast, um, and this, this upcoming pick is going to determine a lot too, but I don't think you can look at that game yesterday and think, yeah, this is fine. You know, the Pistons have like lapped them and that's all the credit goes to Troy Weaver. I mean, to be fair, he's not just lapped the Cavs rebuild. He's lapped a lot of other teams rebuilds too. I mean, the Pistons are, are flying up the board with the good picks that they've made. So that's, it's not as much a slight to the Cavs as it is, you know, kudos to Troy Weaver for, making this team really good in the short term. And I mean, we talked about in the group chat, Isaiah Stewart, we all, we all, we all poo-pooed that pick and thought, who the heck is that? You know, we thought about the Luke Kennard movement, adding four first round picks and then you get Sadiq Bey. We, I'm pretty sure we poo-pooed that too. And both of those moves look tremendous now. Yeah, they I, just look awesome. Isaiah Stewart is, is really fascinating to me because I still – have questions about his long-term outlook in the league in terms of when the Pistons are competing, is he good enough and versatile enough to be the center on the floor for your team? And, And a big knock about him coming out of college was he's, you know, not good at defending in space. He's not good if he gets switched, you know, if he switches on the screen and gets isolated versus a guard, those kind of things, which we really haven't had to worry about or, or care about with him yet. Those are things that down the line, along with his size, if he does get matched up against a bigger center, you know, like a Joel Embiid, for example, you know, those are some things that I think concern me. But in the present and, and what he is doing, the chemistry that him and Killian Hayes are forming. I mean, some of these, these lobs that, that Hayes and, and Stewart are connecting on are, they just don't look possible. They shouldn't be physically possible for the angle that Hayes is throwing it for Stewart to be able to catch it and punch it down. And he, he does, you know, he is, and this is where some of the things that he does kind of quell my concerns for him down the line is his size, you know, is somewhat of a problem, but he's just so physical that he just gets, he just gets to the ball and he's so physical to the point where it's not like Andre Drummond. When Andre Drummond came into the league, he was physical, but he was also, you know, not as coordinated. So he was picking up fouls and he was having to come out of the game in the first quarter with two quick fouls. We haven't really seen that be a problem for Isaiah Stewart. And, you know, now that he's gotten a couple starts in a row and he's playing bigger minutes, that's still not been a problem. And that's an encouraging thing. I mean, what he was doing yesterday on both sides of the ball was so incredibly impactful. And him, along with Sadiq Bey, set the tone for Detroit. I think Killian Hayes coming in 
and closing the way that he did. He went back to back with a couple big baskets coming out of the pick and roll, getting to his spots, pulling up, hitting jump shots. I mean, he was right on the verge of a double-double, if not for a couple missed dunks. Uh, he played incredibly well. And Sadiq Bay is really, <laughs> I don't want to say streaky, but it kind of looks like it, right? A couple poor games from against Oklahoma City and Washington. He comes out in the first quarter, hits six three-pointers, and then scores two points the rest of the game. It was great that he was able to come in and set the tone. He started off the game really hot, led Detroit offensively. But then after that, he came out, and when he came back in, he just disappeared, right? This is part of those growing you know, things that we're going to see, the development phase of Detroit that we're going to see, specifically with these three young guys. And you can throw Saban Lee in the mix too, although it's always it looks like it's always going to be harder for him to be included in that mix because he's playing behind Killian Hayes and he's just not getting that same type of usage and and minutes and opportunity that these other three rookies have gotten. And, you know, these are the things that we're getting to see when Detroit is not playing or excuse me, when you're not playing Plumlee and Grant and Ellington and Corey Joseph, like all these minutes open up, all these shots open up, all the ball handling responsibilities open up and you get to look at, well, you know, Sadiq has kind of struggled when he's, you know, been given the opportunity to play a bigger role on offense and really be a catalyst. And then he comes out, he starts out, but he disappears again. So you kind of got to look at what do we need to do to get him going throughout a whole game and, and, you know, not let it, you know, not have his performances come and go. You get to see, well, Killian Hayes is doing really well at coming and working out of the pick and roll. Maybe we need to run that more, which is something they didn't do for him at the beginning of the year. You know, that was something in his first seven games where they just didn't let him run the pick and roll all too often. And then Isaiah Stewart, I, I think he's just kind of been an anomaly to where any anytime he's out there, he's doing something positive for the team. And it, it, there's never a time where he's out there and you're like, man, it doesn't feel like Stewart's on the court or what is he doing? Why is he not doing this or that? Like he just kind of does everything. And I, I think yesterday is a really good game for Detroit to look at and just look back at this core and, and, and feel really comfortable with who they have in terms of, who they've drafted and who they have at the helm of this rebuild. Troy Weaver just continues to, you know, these, uh, these players and the events that happen with this team continue to support the hiring of Troy Weaver and his continued overhaul of this franchise. So I wanted to get to the Pistons and Cavs because I thought that we could kind of intersect the two cores and where each team is at in the rebuild. I thought yesterday's game just kind of made it a good opportunity to, to do that. I think the coaching plays plays an important part <clears throat> and not just the coaches this year. I mean, the Cavs, let's just say they move on from JB Bickerstaff and be their fourth coach. That'd be Colin Sexton's fourth coach since he's entered the league. He had Ty Lue for just a handful of games. He had Larry Drew to finish out his rookie year. He had John Beeline for a handful of games. He had JB Bickerstaff. I mean, that's, that's lack of stability to its utmost core to not have the same coach. Um, the front office has stayed the same. I mean, Colby Altman, a handover from David Griffin. But I, I mean, there's a lot of question marks about, about him too. He's made do with a, with a completely empty cupboard after LeBron left and has put together some nice, some nice moves to try to restock that. But you know, that the leadership to me is, is just a glaring difference right now between the two teams. I mean, 
I think in a vacuum, the Cavs do have a better young core, a more progressed young core, but I don't think that the Cavs leadership is really leveraging it in such a way because the pieces that they have drafted, they don't really fit. I mean, there are days where Colin Sexton and Darius Cryan look like they fit. They both go off. Yeah, they're two smaller guards, but I mean, they're hard to stop when, when they're both playing really well. And Darius Garland's made huge strides year over year. I mean, he looked horrible last year. He looked so much better this year. Colin Sexton, there are days where he just goes nuclear. It's just hard to stop him. But when they don't work, the issues are so glaring that it's really problematic. And the Pistons have taken a, a more balanced approach. They've drafted a, a point guard nice and high. He is a more traditional point guard. He's not a Kyrie Irving type of point guard that's going to take a volume number of shots, but he's a smart passer. He has pretty good vision. You know, he's, he's going to have a lot of turnovers, and he has. But that, that just means he's willing to try some stuff. He sees those, those windows open, and eventually he will be a little bit quicker to make those passes into those open windows. Sadiq Bey, you know, fits as a nice wing player, Isaiah Stewart. And you had touched on him earlier. He just doesn't stop. He does not flinch. He, he is just, he is really just that. I mean, and, and no, I don't think there's anybody in the league right now that you would body up against Joel Embiid and feel comfortable facing Joel Embiid. But I, I would feel comfortable with Isaiah Stewart against a lot of, you know, similarly, similar caliber centers because he just doesn't flinch. And at the end of the day, you'll take the more active guy who's out hustling others. Um, I, I mean, at least I would any, any day of the week. So the, it's very interesting the two cores intersecting, but that leadership and coaching matters. I mean, I'm, I'm having problems with JB Bickerstaff because I just don't think that he, I think he's a good stopgap interim head coach to finish out a year. But after that, you probably want to find somebody that is going to develop players and put them in better positions to succeed. And ultimately I think that um, that's going to be the next step. Like, the Cavs are going to get a top seven pick in the draft again. They're going to get another young guy, maybe another guard, and now you've got a glut of guards. But I, but bar none, you're going to need a coach that can really develop these players and develop them to play together, not not just develop them on an individual basis. And Dwayne Casey's done a very good job of, of balancing things this year. Yeah, Dwayne Casey has actually really impressed me this year. I know he drew a lot of ire over the last past couple of seasons. He drew some ire from us. He I mean, did. we were both a little worried about him playing the vets over the young guys. He, he did. And, and and I think in previous seasons, you know, there was some legitimate gripes to have with the way, you know, things were going. But this year, he's he's handled the rebuild really well. Um, it is, his philosophy is, and his leadership, I, I think, you know, are, are very, very important to this rebuild. I think, you know, if anything, this season has really cemented him as, you know, obviously he was brought to Detroit to win basketball games, but he can very much be the coach of, of this rebuilding group. Yeah. I think he's, he's the coach for the next playoff Pistons team. And maybe it's only for a season or two, but, and maybe they're only the eighth seed or maybe they're only in, in a play-in game should the play-in continue next year. But I think he's earned the right, like he did with the Raptors to, you know, coach those young guys up and then be a part of once, once the winning begins, be a part of that first playoff team. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I, I, he's, he's what his success has been with this group this year and how 
these players are maturing and developing around him, I, I think he absolutely, you know, deserves that kind of opportunity the same way, like you mentioned that he got it in Toronto. Yeah. He, he, he was the one that was, that took over a terrible Toronto Raptors team. And in just a couple seasons, they were in the mid forties in terms of wins and, you know, I'm not going to speculate and say the Pistons, you know, are going to do that quicker than normal, but you can't deny that the young core at, at, at the very least this year is energetic and has shown flashes of being really good. Um, especially as a bunch of rookies. I mean, Stuart Hayes and Sadiq Bay have all played really well and they just fended off a team that they were really, that they were supposed to be two years behind or a year behind in the Cavs. And it's hard to argue that they're not right there with them in terms of rebuild, which is very disappointing to me as a, as, as a Cavs fan, <laughs> uh, watching, watching these teams just pass them up. I mean, I, w- I was listening to an, a, another podcast yesterday and how the Orlando Magic looked like they won the Chicago Bulls trade because the Bulls have been terrible since they got Nikola Vucevic. And they're going to get two lottery picks and they got RJ Hampton and they got, you know, this whole big glut of players from the deadline. I know that RJ Hampton came from the Aaron Gordon trade, but you know, they got all these young players and, you know, they're going to get Jonathan Eisen back and Markel Fultz back next year, plus two lottery picks. I mean, they're looking like they just, they just turned on a dime and uh, you know, are going to be semi okay. You know, maybe in the same way that the Pistons, you know, are this year, they're going to be a nice little surprising rebuilding team. So, you know, to see teams catch up to the Cavs so fast in terms of rebuilds and the Cavs really still having no clear direction, it just makes, it just makes my eyes burn to watch some of those things. (laughs) And I mean, I could wear sunglasses while they, while they burn my eyes a night in and night out as I watch. Thankfully, I don't have to watch Jetty Osman shoot 30% from three anymore. Uh, But um, you know, if I wanted to wear sunglasses, I would definitely use Canaan. And that's our next sponsor. In, it's time to make your outdoor experiences better with Canaan. Canaan sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics, they, and those lenses are clearer, those lenses are lighter, and those lenses are stronger. And with Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. So like I said, it's time to make your outdoor ex- outdoor experience better with Canaan. Use the exclusive code CanaanCast15 at Canaan.com. That's K-A-E-N-O-N.com to receive 15% off on your first pair. Once again, that is K-A-E-N-O-N.com with the offer code CanaanCast, K-E-K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T. One five for fifteen percent off on your first pair. Canaan clearly better. Now we don't need sunglasses with our snow that's happening outside. But once again, like like I said last time when we had these sponsors, uh, they're very very nice looking sunglasses, um, and I would love to get a pair. Um, definitely, you know, once once the snow stops. I guess if you look at snow on a sunny day, it, it might blind you, but that's that's about the sun experience. Uh, in Ohio and in Michigan. Hey, well, good thing you got that that promo code to get fifteen percent off. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly, so I can wear them all year. Um, yeah, please make it stop snowing. Somebody, I don't know who who's actually in charge of that, but please make it 
make it stop. We have done nothing to deserve this. Um, okay, so we only had one other topic that we wanted to get to, and that is about Frank Jackson. I don't remember who on Pistons Twitter said it. It was one of the beat writers, I think. Maybe it was Rob Beard. Uh, Frank Jackson having a future with this Pistons team. He had 20 points off the bench against Cleveland, which the Cavs have no backup point guard, unless you really count Matthew Delvadova as a backup point guard. He's really just Udonis Haslam on the Cavs. That's all that he really is. Um, so any thoughts on Frank Jackson and his future with the Pistons? Yeah, I, I brought this up because I actually had someone tweet me last night asking about it. I mean, he had another 20-point game against Cleveland. Post-All-Star break, he's averaging over 11 points per game. He's shooting over 42% from the three-point line. And, you know, the way I, I kind of responded on Twitter, but I'm going to elaborate on a, a little bit more here on the podcast, is, well, Detroit already has a couple options at the two-guard spot on the roster. They have Josh Jackson and they have Hamadou Diallo. Well, and they're probably also going to have a, around a top five pick. And a lot of the guys that are going to be available in top five are guards. Cade Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green. Those are three guys right there that are guards. And if Detroit gets any of them, whoever that they get from those three, or, or whoever, I guess, in general, would slot next to Killian Hayes in the backcourt. So you have your two there, and then you have Diallo, who can play the two, and you have Josh Jackson, who's a two and three. That makes it really hard for Frank Jackson to have a substantial role with the Pistons. And, you know, I he's played well. I think he, he deserves a role in the NBA. I've been a longtime believer in Frank Jackson, and I think he I, – I envision him being more of a point guard. That's what he played at Duke, and I envision that being more of his – role in the NBA, but it's pretty clear, at least right now, that he is succeeding as a sharp shooting, uh, you know, off-ball guard, and the Pistons have value from having him on their roster, and wherever he ends up, he's going to value, be valuable to, to a team. I just don't know if it's Detroit, unless they end up moving on from a Diallo or a Josh Jackson, or maybe they end up with someone like Evan Mobley. And, and or, or Jonathan Kuminga, who where they don't, you know, they're not bringing in another guard to take up minutes. Um, I, I like Josh Jackson. He has played well. He has a future in this league. Not guaranteeing that it's with Detroit, but he does have a future in the NBA. I mean, at the very least, he's making himself some money, right? At the very least, he's looking like a guy who could get a contract from another team if it's not the Pistons because he has he has played well but we've mentioned before there's a glut of guards in this draft and I and if you're drafting top three that's that's probably three guards that you're going to get to pick from I mean if you do take Evan Mobley then yeah that's you know it's quite a bit different but Cade Cunningham Jalen Suggs Jalen Green you know those are those are guys you could slot right in and would immediately take up guard minutes two guard minutes, wing, wing minutes. Um, I think that, I think that Frank Jackson will get an opportunity, you know, maybe as, as a training camp guy and he has, he has played well, but there, there's just a glut of other, of other guards that's just going to make it difficult. I mean, that's, that's the long and short of it. He has, he has played well, but, and it's yet another good find for Troy Weaver, you know, just picking stuff up, up uh, off of the scrap heap and, 
or, you know, somehow finding players that should not be available, but yet they are like Hamdou Diallo and, and now Frank Jackson and, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. has looked, you know, okay, you know, okay after being exiled out of Dallas and New York. He's, it's just yet another player that he has picked up and found some, found some uh, positive output from. Yeah. And, and that's Troy Weaver's MO, right? So you have a guy like Frank Jackson, there's Tyler Cook, there's Diallo, like all those guys now, whether it's with Detroit or not, ever earned a future in the NBA and maybe D- like a guy like Diallo, he already was going to have a future in the NBA because he hasn't been in Detroit that long. He hasn't had that much playing time in Detroit. He was playing well in Oklahoma city before getting hurt, but guys like Dennis Smith jr. Guys like Tyler cook guys like Josh Jackson, they're going to be in the NBA now because of their time in Detroit, you know, Tyler cook coming from the G league, Dennis Smith jr. Like you mentioned, outcasted, from his previous stops and Josh Jackson, a a former top pick that was kind of throwing it together in Memphis, but they didn't really fully buy into him. And he's had a good season with Detroit. So, you know, those are just guys that have, have, maybe it's not with Detroit, but have earned a future in this league because of their time with Detroit. And if that's Detroit's MO, then honestly, there are worse, there are worse uh, connotations to have than being the rehab center for the, for the NBA, it's just a matter of, you know, keeping some of those guys there like uh, Christian Wood. Um, Aaron, that's all of our topics today. Um, a little bit of a shorter pod, but definitely some fun stuff to talk about. Um, anything else you want to add for um, this edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast? No, I thought that was I, – I really did want to get into that Caps discussion with you and kind of – you know, discuss a two different course from our, each of our perspective, uh, obviously you more of a Cavs guy and myself more of a Pistons guy. I thought that was interesting to kind of look into the two rebuilds and, and understand each, each side and where they're at. Um, but no, good show as always. And, uh, you know, glad we were able to spend a lot of time talking about these young guys that are just so important to the Pistons moving forward. Yeah, they're, they're really, they are really doing some things that I didn't think that they would do this year and showing some things that I really didn't think they would show. Um, but so it goes, um, you know, you get some surprises, you get some disappointments and now that they're back healthy, Hayes is healthy. And, um, you know, even though the Pistons are without some of their core starters, you know, you see, you see the young guys stepping up and you can't really ask for much more than that. Uh, so that is going to do it for this edition of the palace of Pistons podcast. I'd like to once again, thank our sponsors, bet online and Kanan, uh, for their, generous contributions um please go ahead and check them out um and we will catch you all later business fans thank you for listening to believe You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.